0: John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik
1: and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next.
2: Big jab there from Duffy and Brett Mear is now Down goes Duffy. Oh, caught. Cool. Brett does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness.
0: I can't believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
3: Appreciate you being with us Monday, March 29th, 2021. It's episode 294 of the Anik and Florian podcast. Oh, is there a lot to get into today? Ken Flo, I'm looking live at the the newest member of the PFL broadcasting team, Ken Flo. Some breaking news last week. Congratulations. So is this a fight contract as well? Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh it's a it's an eight fight deal. Uh, I'll be <laughs> fighting in uh eight different weight classes. I right. can't wait. No. Uh, I'm old, John. I'm 44 years old. I'm gonna be 45 later on this year. Uh no. I was so no there one wants no to see talk. a dead man in the
3: in, in, in a cage. Uh there was no talk about competing. I had heard they, no- wanted, <laughs> you had no heard no they wanted you to fight. I had heard they wanted you to fight.
2: There was no talk about competing, but okay. I will be uh, doing commentary, and uh, I'm excited about it. And uh, yeah,
3: man, it's been a while. Um, so yeah, here we, here we are. Here we go. Well, it, in some respects, obviously, it's bittersweet for me because it means for the length of your contract and mine, we will not be calling fights together. But I, know. I don't know that there is anybody out there happier than me that a man you, whom I hold in, in such high regard, not just as a human being, much better guy than me. Like People think I'm a nice guy. They don't see the real me. Um, But no, I just hold you in such high regard as an analyst. And it's so obvious that you should be in this space in a high profile way. So uh, nobody happier than me. Clark, Florey and Kenny's wife might be. A little bit happier than me. (laughs) So a lot to get into today. Ray Longo will join us. Brian Stan will join us. I will tell you, we taped that earlier. Audio wasn't great, so bear with us on that. But we did get through it. And and Stan was pretty convicted in his belief that Francis Ngannou was going to win that fight. So I wanted to talk to him today as to why he felt that way and uh, what he thinks about the future for Francis Ngannou. But let us get into headlines, and we'll begin with the new undisputed UFC heavyweight champion of the world, Cameroonian Francis Ngannou. Kenny when he made his UFC debut in the great state of Florida in 2015 I remember thinking that I don't know when it's going to be but this is about as scary as it gets potentially and this guy's going to be a champion if he can uh if he can round out the skill set and if he can stay stay healthy and stay committed took him 13 UFC fights but uh Francis Ngannou gets it done and uh not unlike my happiness for you, I'm very happy for this individual.
2: That is just amazing. You know, um, I, I did not think he was going to pull it off this time around. Did I think he was eventually going to be champion? Absolutely. Uh, at this point, the fact that he was able to pull it off and do it against Stipe Miocic is just amazing. You know, of yes, of course it was possible with that kind of power and speed. Um, but the fact that he was able to make All of those adjustments, the technical adjustments, the mental adjustments, to stay calm and not get overly excited. The fact that this guy can learn at this speed is just amazing. Uh, And for anyone who's going to be trying to take that belt away from him, good luck. And Ngano is just a marvel. The, the, The fact that this guy... Was able to go out there and stop a a takedown from Stipe. I mean, Stipe was pretty deep on that high crotch takedown, and Agano just yep. kind of threw him off, and then hit a takedown of his own. Right. So he's showing an evolution that is really rare,
3: especially in the heavyweight division. John, I was I was blown away. A takedown of his own with such relative ease that you start to think maybe he's going to have to resist the temptation to wrestle. Because, again, if you want to put him in a wrestling competition, I'll go watch the bear wrestle. You know, it is amazing to watch this man fight live. You know, oftentimes I say I watch the monitor 85 percent of the time when I'm calling fights because that's the angle that people are getting back home. You can't watch the monitor when Francis Ngannou is fighting. You have no choice but to watch the octagon. He is that impressive a physical specimen. Ken Flo, a lot of people were casting doubt on his training or at least asking questions. They didn't see a lot of details about what was going on as far as the grappling was concerned. There was a lot of pressure on Eric Nixick, who – serves in multiple capacities for Francis Ngannou. So I think you got to start with Nixick and Dewey Cooper and uh, his manager, Markel Martin, and everybody else. The whole team, you got to give these guys credit because they have had time for him to evolve, right? He fought at UFC 249 last year, Ken Flo. He's Mm. been waiting for this championship opportunity. Again, it's a small amount of fight time that we have to analyze, but you have to credit this team and a team that had a lot of pressure on it going into Saturday night.
2: No doubt they've they've clearly done a great job in getting him uh, to be better technically and to be better uh, mentally as well. And, and and that is always a balancing act. It, it really is a two way street between the athlete and the coach or or set of coaches. And you know what? In a lot of ways, that has been an advantage for Francis Ngannou. Um, Maybe he's not getting the same type of octagon time, but us as fans or analysts or, you know, the fighters that are scouting him out or the coaches, they don't have that luxury of looking at a lot. They see a guy who's out there kind of massacring guys in with relative ease. Right. uh, And doing it very quickly that there's not a whole lot to gain from, which is why it, it threw me off. Now, I probably haven't called a, a, a UFC main event prediction correctly since 2019, but still, um, huh. you know, the, the fact that he was able to do this, uh, you know, on on a relative short turnaround between his last fight against Dipe is very impressive because as yeah. I was saying before, you know, John, you can't just go out there and just wrestle better in three months. You can't just yeah. go out there and have better jujitsu in three months. Right. A little bit, but not a lot of bit, you know, and right, the fact right. that he's able to do this, because i'd imagine it's not an easy thing to get francis and training partners guys that are actually in and around his size right, that right. can challenge him you can get a lot of great jujitsu guys right but guys in and around 200 pounds 280 pounds 275 pounds those men just don't exist out there there's not a yeah, whole lot of
3: yeah right so kamara usman is a stabilizing force in this corner as well and there's a huge, huge value for Francis and being around an active, undisputed UFC champion. By the way, a guy who is one of the best fighters in UFC history and who has never lost in the octagon. And I know for you, getting all those reps with George St. Pierre and being around him while you were chasing a UFC title was hugely beneficial in in more ways than one. But Kumaru is such a sort of, has such a good, gentle way of going about Like he's not forcing himself upon... Everybody with his wrestling and grappling acumen necessarily, right? He's willing to get the water and do whatever it takes, but he just he seems to also have a lot of value. And uh, I don't know, man. There were a lot of sharp people, a lot of pro fighters picking stipe. And you know, my twin brother and I, and again, this is hindsight is 2020. I'm calling the fight, so I'm not giving anything that resembles an opinion on these airwaves almost ever. Mm -hmm. But I'm sitting around simplifying this thing, Kenny, and I'm thinking Francis Ganu 125, right? I've never seen anything like Francis. You know, I haven't seen very many fighters as good as Stipe, granted, but I've never seen anything like Francis with respect to Derek Lewis, with respect to Anthony Rumble Johnson. I've never seen anything like this guy. Like this feels like theater when I'm watching this.
2: Yeah. Again, he looks like a superhero and he's performing like a superhero. Now that's the thing, you know, here's when you look at a lot of guys, you know, there's other people that have been impressive looking, you know, you, you have a guy like a Brock Lesnar, right. Um, who looks the part Alistair Overeem in his, in, in his, prime yeah. oh, yeah. certainly looked the part, but there's a certain level of athleticism, uh, and Francis Ngano, And there's a student, uh, there's a certain level of, um, student in Francis Ngannou I think that is unlike other guys you know it's one thing to be physically able to do it but mentally able to do it is a different thing and putting in that work and Francis Ngannou is clearly putting in that work Um, it's it's an amazing story and to see how well he's improved um, is awesome to watch he seems like a such a great guy I think he's going to be a great
3: champion for a long time and man what a performance on Saturday night. He's built like an NFL defensive end, and I can almost guarantee it. If somebody got him at 24, 25 years old, I mean, of course, if younger, God help every NFL quarterback. But say, hey, Francis, can you do me a favor? Go get the quarterback, okay? Can you, go, can you get by the guy in front of you and go tackle Tom Brady and teach him a little bit of technique? And you can be sure that Francis Ngannou could have excelled in other professional athletic capacities. But I'm just so happy for the man. And we're going to roll in this video of the celebration in his native Cameroon. You know, we said on the broadcast, average citizen in Batik Cameroon makes $1,300 a year. And the celebration across his home nation was a really powerful thing. And uh, I know on the audio side, you can just hear this. Kemfo saw this for the first time this morning. And uh, this will empower a whole group of people. And there is no overstating, Kenny, how much good this man is going to be able to do. He loves children more than me. I can assure you of that.
2: Incredible. Uh, I have chills looking at the video. um, And and you think about the impact uh, that it has on his nation and, you know, probably the whole continent of Africa as well. Um, seeing someone seeing one of your own go out there and make something of yourself uh, in in a country where they just don't have a whole lot of opportunity and the fact that this guy literally fought to get to where he is 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 just an amazing story Uh, a movie should or probably will will be be. written about this guy's life he deserves all of those accolades and more um and, and i can't wait to see where it
3: develops, because I think this is very much just the beginning of Francis Ngannou's story. It will be a major motion picture. There is no doubt about it. I can already visualize all the escaping by sea, trying to get into places that... Uh, that would be more freeing for him. It's incredible. At Anik Florian Pod, what should the Francis Ngannou story movie be called? Probably not the Francis Ngannou story, but uh, we'll see. Certainly, his uh, his mixed martial arts legacy is incomplete, but the Francis Ngannou era is now officially underway. Your thoughts on the future, immediate or otherwise, for Francis Ngannou? He will be the betting favorite, as we've said repeatedly on these airwaves, and should be against any man that includes John Jones. Uh, what are your thoughts on what is next for, uh, for the new heavyweight King?
2: You know, I I think John Jones is probably going to want to get one heavyweight fight in before he fights Francis Ngannou. Um, and and I think it makes sense, right. To kind of establish himself in that division first, uh, and then build up that fight against Francis Ngannou. So I think for John Jones, um, he'll take, you know, some top contender on, uh, I, I imagine that he will get by that top contender uh, and we will see one of the, if not the biggest UFC fight in history. Uh, I think that, you know, just the way that things are kind of materializing here and, and with everybody now kind of going back into the arenas and um, what Francis Ngannou did to Stipe, I I think we could have an amazing fight on our hands between those two. John Jones is widely considered the, the greatest of all time. He, he probably is just that uh and i think that john jones tends to fight best when there's pressure on the line yeah when he feels that his life is in danger when he feels that um he could lose that fight i think that's when we see the best john jones and how do you not get motivated against an absolute killer, a destroyer of skulls in Francis Ngannou? And yeah. uh, that's the fight that, that I want to see now. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen next. So as far as Francis Ngannou, um, I, I think a Derek Lewis fight does make sense. I think yeah. they, those guys want to run it back. I think those guys will take a completely different approach right. the second time around. Um, Derek is extremely dangerous. He sure is, but... Francis Ngannou just has that next level of athleticism um, that gives him a shot against any knockout artist out there. So uh, that's a fight that I think will deliver. I do not see that one going the distance. Um, Again, I I do think those guys will really go for it the second time around and uh, we're
3: in for a treat, man. And I do want to say when we talk about Anthony Rumble Johnson and... Brock Lesnar and some of these guys, Derek Lewis should absolutely be in this conversation. Like for me, he was Francis Ngannou before Francis Ngannou in a lot of respects. And he made his UFC debut the year before. I think Derek Lewis has been in the UFC almost two full years. It's like January of 2014, December 2015, something like that. But I remember when Derek Lewis was beating guys like Guto in Ascension, Jack May, thinking he's going to kill a human being in there, you know, so all due respect to Derek Lewis. And I do believe that that is the next fight as far as John Jones is concerned. I think you crystallized a lot of things for me, right? His ability to elevate when the stakes are elevated, the opponent is elevated. Some people want to lean into the fact that he has double-digit decision wins in the UFC, does John Jones. The fact that he has had close fights against Thiago Santos and Dominic Reyes and maybe hasn't put guys away with the frequency with which he was doing so earlier in his career. But, I mean, there's risk out there if he's fighting Seidel Gan or Alexander Volkov. Like, who are you throwing John Jones in there that's going to... Uh, I mean, he'll be favored to beat those guys, no doubt about it. But uh, yeah. I think that's wise in some respects. But uh, I don't know. I, I I think you might just see maybe Francis defend in three months, and then John just build himself up without the fight. But you 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 like him in matchups with like those two, for example.
2: I do. I think, uh, I think that John Jones uh, does have a a lot of tools. He has a great ability in in neutering guys, right? He, he, he takes what you're best at and he takes it away from you. Uh, That's kind of his first approach against a lot of guys. And yeah, like he's, he's very good at just taking away your strength. I mean, even against you know, one of the best wrestlers to ever compete inside the octagon against Daniel Cormier. It's like he goes out there, he takes him down or he shuts down his wrestling and then he finishes you off. I mean, he's right, that good. Right, right. So <laughs> it, it's amazing how he's out there uh, competing. And I think that against Ngannou, he does have the reach and he does have the tools to frustrate Ngannou. Whether he approaches it with his striking or his grappling or a combination of both, I don't know. But it's a fascinating fight to me. Um, I think he will ultimately get the money uh,
3: he wants and deserves. And um, man, I think the next year is going to be quite the trip. I want to read this tweet from uh, Mac Malley MMA. And I quote, I already think he is. But if John Jones takes the fight with Nganu and wins, I don't want to hear shit about picograms or criminal records ever again. Might as well write down Jones as the goat in the Bible. And I kind of agree, bro. And I know people are going to come at me as they often do for almost everything I say nowadays, but largely I agree with that. Say what you want about the the criminal history, which to me has nothing to do with his athletic history with all due respect. As far as the PED stuff, I have never seen him as a perpetual steroid abuser at all. For my money, if he goes and beats Francis Ngannou and becomes the heavyweight champion. I don't want to hear anything else about anybody else, George St. Pierre or anyone as the greatest of all time, because if he beats this superhero movie character, I, I don't know. For me, it would be case closed. I think it would be hard to debate, uh,
2: you know, against that, I think that John Jones in many ways might just be that already. And for him to go yeah. up a weight class and defeat a monster like a Francis Ngannou, I think would be extremely impressive. I want to go back a little bit, John, if I could. Do it, of course. You know, Cody, Cody showed that that tweet that I put up, uh, you know, pure violence from Ngannou, uh, you know, destroyer of skulls. It, it was much more than that. It, it really was. It, it, he was. He looked like a technician out there. And, and we talked about that. But This is a guy who really flawlessly executed, um, in all aspects of the fight, even precisely when he needed to. Every opportunity that he needed to take advantage of Stipe, he did. Uh, it was extremely dominant, aside from that last punch, eating that last shot, which seemed like it hurt him a little bit. Um, it was just a flawless performance, uh, you know, when the lights were brightest. So, uh, again, just uh, amazing. This is a guy who's now turning into a technician, and, and that is not good for
3: anyone who faces him in the future. So if you are molding a fighter to beat Francis Nganu, are you looking at at a combat Sambo specialist? Or are you looking at a judo guy? Like you want a, a thrower? Do you just want like a a power guy who can counter his power, like a Derek Lewis type, uh with good takedown defense? I mean, what are you uh what are you I'm trying you to in do? Like the
2: X-Men. Yeah, right. Like, I mean <laughs>
0: exactly.
2: You listen. It's going to take someone who is kind of unconventional in their approach. It's going to take someone like a a, a true a true submission specialist to beat someone like a Francis Ngannou. Someone who knows how to clinch properly someone who knows how to attack those limbs exactly when they need to and who's going to throw something unorthodox at francis and Gano, some throw something at him that he hasn't seen before because francis is still very young in the game and certainly still young with his grappling so if someone's going to get it done going to get it done for me it's going to be a grappler um whether they
3: exist right now in the ufc's heavyweight division i'm not sure Breaking news, Ken Flo wants to see uh, the 45-year-old Alexio Olenek versus Francis Ngana. <laughs> what are you trying to do to the boa constrictor right now, Ken Flo? He could do it, bro. He just needs one shot. Remember? There are websites out there who are going to write about that. I know. The websites writing about my amateur MMA debut. <laughs> I mean, from an Instagram post. I wrote possible amateur hey, MMA debut.
2: I'm actually training him for anyone who wants the news. Uh, anyone who wants to do interviews, I'm his coach. I will take all PR ER yeah. and media requests from here Kenny on out. Kenny is my chief corner,
3: so he yeah. can tell you about all Yeah, we're all doing an embedded sp- series, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny can tell you about all the all the skill development that's not going on with the strength <laughs> and conditioning work. Uh, I My jab has improved, though, for the record. But no, anything is possible, to quote the great Kevin Garner net and oh, and yeah. could i find myself in a combat sports setting with my identical twin brother absolutely uh but my concussion history is such that uh but dude like literally after that instagram post i had a, a nice young man from the ufcpi coming up to me at the weigh-in and being yep. like we'll put you through like the scans and whatever you know i'm <laughs> like is this really happening right now here's the deal if i could get my brain s- cleared right right And again, I'm not trying to take testing from a single amateur fighter out there. And for the record, I understand I would have two years of skill development before this would actually happen. Yes. But were I to get scanned and cleared, right? And they say, even though you've been literally knocked out cold playing basketball and hospitalized three times with concussions in your life, but your brain looks good, like any of you amateur bantamweights out there who are sliding into my dms who are oh and o or o and one you can get it okay if my brain is cleared you can Let's get go. it too okay and thanks to ricky simone and the ufc fighters for keeping it light out there but uh you know, like rogan's texting me he's like dude are you gonna have an amateur he's like i'm worried about you I'm like don't worry i was like joe don't worry i got no skills this is not something we have to worry about for a couple of years All right. Uh, So I think we've exhausted a lot of angles on the Francis Ngannou thing, but I just give Stipe so much credit, not just for the legacy, but for accepting the fight. And uh, Stipe was in the physically the best shape of his life going into the third fight with Daniel Cormier. Best shape of his life. And I think even for this training camp, he left no stone unturned. He told us in the fighter meeting he tries to be perfect in training camp. And I think his coaches sort of intimate largely he was. But, you know, sometimes you're just in there with a guy who is uh, just too big and too powerful. And uh, it just didn't go Stepe's way. But I just give him a lot of credit for accepting the rematch because, uh, you know, I know people feel like he kind of had to do it. But uh, didn't necessarily have to take that fight.
2: Right. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, listen, Stipe's not cut from that mold, though. You know, you know, he was gonna take that yeah. fight, um, and, and kind of needed to for 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 a lot of things, you know, for a lot of reasons. Um, but you know, for Stipe, you know, I think Stan said it best, and and, and they'll hear it later, but Francis Gano just kind of has that superpower. All he needs to do is touch you at least once. That's it. And he can put anybody out in the yeah. world. And um you know, I think that's what it came down to. Stipe got caught. Um, His defense, you know, isn't necessarily his strong suit. I think the fact that he wasn't able to take him down and then got taken down after really threw him off that much more. Uh, and he just never really created any momentum in that fight. And, and that's because Francis Nganu was the guy who really was flawless. He was the guy that was perfect out there. Um, And... uh yeah, just
3: thwarted all of Stipe's best attempts. Do you think Francis could knock? I know he could knock me unconscious with an open-handed slap. Do you think he could knock any of these other heavyweights out with just an open-handed slap, like with his UFC glove on?
2: Uh, dude, it, for anyone who has ever shaken Francis Ngannou's hand, I mean, the thing is massive. Uh, he's a huge dude. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, see, I mean, it wouldn't be fun taking that shot. He would probably get you to step in a few potholes after i don't know if he'd put you out out
3: but he he would rock a lot of dudes with a with an open hand slap i was very starstruck the first time i met brock lesnar and brock lesnar's hand it's big top yeah. to yeah. bottom right? right but it doesn't crawl up to your elbow i mean you shake francis and hand dude grabs your <laughs> arm you know um right. but just so many good things to say about him and and there were times where maybe he uh he was a little bit arrogant in certain maybe dealings with the UFC. Um, but overall, this man is just dripping with class and humility. And he has a special bond with Eric Nixick's son, Knox, that is just really cool. And uh, I'm just so happy for him and can't wait to see all the good that this man uh, is going to do. And I can't wait to see him fight John Jones. Many believe that that would uh, upseat Khabib versus Connor as the singular biggest fight in UFC. Could you imagine could you imagine and thankfully it won't be happening in a uh, in a 25 footer at the apex you know
2: well that's the thing man I, I i can't wait to see that fight and the build up to that fight and just how intriguing that that whole thing is that's the one that needs to be made i mean hopefully
3: end of next year yeah oh okay so yeah we'll see i mean i think it's right. going to be a while as well you. maybe end of this year sorry, sorry. i, I think it years. is going to be a while though but i yeah. do think maybe december with uh with maybe an in lewis fight in there but again Derek lewis could uh could get in the way of this you know who knows excuse me what stipe is going to do but i think you'll see him as he has done repeatedly recently take about a year or at least nine months or so and 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 wait and see what happens but uh what a main event. Well, man, it's so funny, right? Because like you hear us talk about it on the broadcast. And you know this, Kenny, as well as anybody. Like, I'm just nervous as a fan. I am not anxious, nor is Joe Rogan as a broadcaster. But we are fans. If I was sitting home watching the UFC heavyweight championship fight, I would be anxious as hell. It's like waking up on Super Bowl Sunday. Like Joe says he wakes up anxious. Like we don't wake up anxious because we're afraid we're going to have a bad show. It's the magnitude of the sporting event that we're about to witness, whether we're in the building or not, you know? Well, I think, again, that that's kind of that same energy that Mike Tyson used to bring into the
2: ring, right? It's like you know that there's a strong possibility that someone's face is going to get broken or might get broken. Francis Ngannou is that kind of guy where if he hits you again, you you may not be the same. Um, he's a massive guy. He has tremendous speed and power. Uh, yeah. And with four-ounce gloves, man, I mean, that that is a scary proposition for anybody to be standing across from that man.
3: It's like a rocket launch. You're just holding your breath, hoping that something really catastrophic uh, doesn't happen it happened and something – Catastrophic certainly happened. Uh, a couple things on this UFC 260 card as well. And again, if uh if you or Cody think I missed something on England Stepe, we'll circle back to it with Ray towards the end of the show. Vicente Luque and Tyron Woodley, the fight of the night only lasted three minutes and fifty-six seconds. One thing I sort of gleaned from talking to Tyron midweek, and I think you sort of felt like this was gonna happen. Your tweets uh reference this as well. Felt like you had to get an aggressive Tyron Woodley. He had heard enough from the Boobirds about his desire to spend his back up against the fence for three straight fights and to sort of extend guys without trying to beat them in his last three fights. So uh, Tyron went for it, uh, almost got it done, but, but he paid a dear price and, and it's a four fight losing streak for Woodley and Ty- and Vicente Luque to your tweet is now a bona fide UFC welterweight contender.
2: That's right. Listen, uh, Luke a was going to be a tough out for Tyron. Uh, Luke a has um, always been one of those guys offensively who is a lot to deal with. He does get hit at times um, and he did against Tyron, but man, he's got a chin from hell. He has tremendous determination and heart. And he was able to survive uh, those flurries from Woodley and come back and get the knockout himself. And, man, it was a very exciting fight. And at the very least, I think for Tyron, you wanted to see him. I wanted to see him go out there and really show what he was capable of. Now, I think he got a little careless there against Luke. of course. But uh, to see his fighting spirit come out, I think that's really what we all wanted to see. We knew, yes. we knew that that Tyron was in there, and we hadn't seen that for a long time. And you know, when that spark goes out, um, it's tough to get it back. And the fact that he was able to get it back and go out there and and fight, um, I guess, inspired. Uh, that was good to see, and it showed that Tyron still wants to go out there and fight. He still has that fighting spirit, and and to me, that was a good sign. Despite the you know him coming
3: up with the L there. I want to see Tyron Woodley again, and I hope it's in the UFC. Are you of that same opinion, uh, based upon what you saw this weekend? Uh,
2: I I would love to see him in the UFC. Uh, you know, obviously he is a former champion in that division. He fought some of the best and beat some of the best. Um, and and I think he showed that he still wants to do this in this fight. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen though. I think that, you know, he has had some dealings with the UFC where they have butted heads over the years. I don't know what's going to happen moving forward. Um, you know, certainly, you know, having some losses, uh, you know, consistent losses in the UFC isn't a good thing, uh, even for a former champion. Uh, but, um, I don't know. I I don't know exactly what the future holds for Tyron, but, um, Whatever it is, I hope that, you know, he's passionate about it and, and he's going to give his best effort like he did on Saturday night. Unfortunately, he came up short. That's what happens in the fight game. And
3: uh, big-time kudos to Vincente Luque. And how about Ken Flo with ink still wet on his PFL contract? You know, he could have easily been like, T, why you go to the PFL? <laughs> go to the he fucking could. PFL. He might. might. go to the PFL to, to align with Ken Flo. <laughs> I think we all want to be aligned with the flow. So I used to say that Damian Maya was where all UFC welterweight winning streaks went to die. Now that distinction belongs to Steven Wonderboy Thompson, right? Jeff Neal, Vicente Luque, right? So that's the one loss that Luque has had recently. Otherwise, he would be on very much a championship trajectory. And I don't have to tell a lot of our listeners what he has accomplished in terms of the finishes, right? I mean, dude beat Tiago Mejeta Santos knocked him out back in 2012 at middleweight in like 30 seconds or something. But he is one of the most prolific finishers in UFC welterweight history. He has such a great support system. Daniel Evangelista in Brasilia did his entire training camp with him, but he's very much connected with Henry Hooft. Gilbert Burns in the corner as well. Like, I think Luke a can be a champion. You know, I think Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is is a variable in this division because he beats a lot of guys who are trying to get to Kamaru Usman. And then when you get to the champion, uh, he might be the best pound for pound fighter in UFC history. I say that about Kamaru Usman. So what are your thoughts on Luke a on the strength of this win and uh, and what he needs to do defensively or, or otherwise uh, to, to become a UFC champion or a real top three guy?
2: Well, listen, he he has the offensive skills. He has the the grappling background as well. he He's dangerous everywhere, really. I think defensively, um, he could be better. He could be more evasive um and uh, you know, move a little bit better with his feet. But um, you know, I, I think that division has always been extremely difficult. Um, I, I think it would be a tough matchup against someone like a Kamaru Usman based on his wrestling and, and uh, the experience of Usman. But I do think he's a guy that can go very far and he could continue to surprise a lot of people. Um, you know, on his climb towards the top. So uh, the other thing is, you know, when you face a guy like a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, you're going to learn so much about where you're vulnerable and what kind of, you know, skills and techniques he could steal from Wonderboy. So I do think this is a Vincente Luque who is getting better. He's getting smarter. Um, I think he showed that against Tyron Woodley. Uh, and he certainly uh, isn't a guy who's going to go away
3: easily. That's for sure. You know what I like about Luke A as well, and you sort of touched on it, but as a jujitsu guy myself, Kentler, no, I'm not. A jiu- <laughs> uh, so yeah. I am, I am only a jujitsu guy in so far as it's my favorite thing to sort of watch in MMA. Like I really yeah. enjoyed Miranda Maverick versus Jillian Robertson because that I like fun. watching grappling, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what I'm watching necessarily. That's why I keep my goddamn mouth shut at times. But uh, like Vicente Luco, his practical application of all these submissions, Darces, you know, like very, very good. And there are plenty of guys who just like don't have a good Darce, you know. So he got cracked, you know, um, and cracked back. But then, you know, just understands that, you know, I love seeing guys who hurt their opponent. They immediately go to submit them. And I don't know. I thought it was a beautiful thing.
2: He almost got it done, man. And again, that was another instance where Tyron really showed a lot of heart because I'm telling you, Luke would have submitted a lot of people in
3: that position. That was extremely tight. So uh, brilliant stuff from both men there. All right. Sean O'Malley over Thomas Almeida by knockout. And uh, he's a really special fighter. There's no doubt about it. And uh, if you don't want to take it from me, take it from Teddy Atlas, who had high praise for him in terms of his, uh, his approach on the feet his unorthodox nature. I think he compared him to Prince Nassim Hamed back in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Ken Flo, your thoughts on a knockout win for Sean O'Malley in uh in a career full of them at this point.
2: You know, Prince Nassim Hamed um, was a very talented boxer. There's no doubt, but he did a lot of things that were kind of, well, I would say way more unorthodox than O'Malley things yeah. that fundamentally weren't very sound in my opinion. Um, you know, but, O'Malley is way more fundamentally sound, in my opinion. He moves extremely well. He has the reach. He has the agility. His feints are something that everyone should be looking at. If you're a fighter and you want to know how to feint and keep your fighter guessing, uh, O'Malley's your guy. Watch O'Malley if you want to learn how to feint. Uh, He's brilliant at it. And for a guy who's tall and lanky in that division, it's something you really don't see. He has a high level of, of athleticism that is clear, but he's also an intelligent fighter. you know I think a lot of people get thrown off by the hair and the tattoos and the whole you know thing. it seems like maybe his head's not in it he says he wants everyone to follow him and you know he talks about social media and all this stuff but he is a fantastic fighter. you know whatever he says, okay, that's fine um, but this guy really knows how to set up a knockout and when he gets his opportunity to hurt you, He will absolutely do that and finish you off. O'Malley is a true talent. He's amazing to watch. uh, And he's going to be a handful for anyone in that
3: division, uh, the, the champion included. And at this point, you know, he's a pay-per-view fighter. I mean, he's box office, you know, uh, his merchandise flies off the shelves, flies off the goddamn shelves, you know? So Mm -hmm. he is resonating with a lot of people for more reasons than one, you know, fighting in Las Vegas, he's allowed to have those foot wraps, the durability held up in this fight. And, I actually feel like this accrued octagon time. This was like the best case scenario. You get two knockouts within one. You get 14 minutes of fight time to prove that your wheel can hold up. Because, Kenny, I do believe that if there's one thing that's going to keep Sean O'Malley from becoming a UFC champion, it's not going to be a lack of grappling and wrestling. He loves that part of the game, too. He just hasn't had to showcase it. It's going to be his body that's going to let him down. And I hope I'm wrong on that.
1: So
2: right you know and, and listen, you know I think it it is definitely tough on, on our bodies. i I think that you know he has experienced situations where he has gotten hurt uh that calf can really mess you up um you know I, I think some people myself maybe included kind of question his toughness or, or 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 maybe uh his his durability in his body but um I think, some of those things can be negated by being just technically better than everybody. Um, and I also think that toughness is something that can be learned over time. And I think maybe hearing some of that criticism, uh, which, you know, he definitely brought in with him, uh, into the octagon, you could see he was a little bit, um, you know, upset and stuff. I think that's going to motivate him uh, and inspire him to continue to improve and get better and get mentally uh, tougher. He's still young and he's still getting better. So um, watch out moving forward, man. O'Malley is going to be a handful. He is one of the more talented guys in the UFC right now. I I think that is clear. Um, And he's got a lot of ways to win, man. I mean, he was He was pretty much playing with Almeida out there and and the fight could have actually been stopped in round one. So no doubt.
3: uh, He's no doubt. He's very impressive. He's very impressive. His goal going into this weekend was to sort of have his name re-enter the conversation of the Bantamweight elites, and as far as Ken Flo and I are concerned, mission accomplished. He deserves these big fights. Some rumblings that maybe Domino Cruz wants the fight, I can neither confirm nor deny that right now, Um, but Sean O'Malley has set himself up for for another big fight, and I'd imagine the Brazilian Thomas Almeida certainly has your respect uh, in defeat. I do believe there are winnable fights for him in this top 25, but this was not one of them.
2: Yeah, listen, Almeida uh, took a beating out there. Uh, O'Malley was just way too much uh, for him, uh, both offensively and defensively. Almeida couldn't really get a whole lot going, but uh, he's got heart for days. He truly has that warrior spirit uh, and should be applauded for that. I think a lot of other guys would have gone away much earlier than Thomas Almeida, yeah. Uh, but I, I do think he he really took some devastating shots, especially that one at the very end when he was hurt. He dropped to his back, and O'Malley followed up with just a nuke of a shot uh, that um, I think should have him away from sparring for a long time, man. Uh, that that was yes. a scary one, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, that was yep. not fun to watch. Um and uh, o- O'Malley's got some brutality to his game, man, and I think that was a message to everybody out there. But Almeida just as tough as they come, but he should take some time off away from
3: sparring for a little while. Sean O'Malley seems to know when he has landed one of these walk-off type shots, and I do like some of his discretionary nature, but most of it I don't like in these moments. Ken flow, right? Like I love the kid, right? Like he's a friend of mine, but. There was hesitation on two occasions, even with the finish at the end. And I don't know. I mean, he's such a a pinpoint striker that I feel like maybe because he just he pauses a beat. Right. And then, man, does he not miss on that shot that put Almeida out? But what are your thoughts, at least initially on that initial sequence when uh, when he allowed Almeida to stay in the fight? Right. Um. You know, I,
2: I will say this, I think sometimes you have to be careful with that, right? Because that might be your one and only opportunity to finish that fight. And as he moves up against some of the elite guys, um, he's going to need that. He's going to ne- need to understand where that window is and, and what he should do about it. However, I, I would always kind of defer to the fighter out there. You know, there's a lot of things that I, I am not feeling um, as far as you know the contact of the shot or the kick on the opponent where maybe he thought that, that was gonna be the end of it or maybe he thought, hey, listen, I think this guy's still in it. He could still see the the fighter's eyes better than anybody in that whole arena or, or right, in the, right you know whoever's watching and, and maybe he felt that he he didn't have to go out there and finish. Yeah. Either way, it worked out well for him. Almeida just really couldn't touch him for the majority of that fight. But um, I I do think that's something to investigate, John, no doubt.
3: And referees all handle these situations differently. They all handle the clinch differently. They give you – some give you more time to work on the ground. Others are very impatient in that setting. Um, Mm -hmm. But you can also force a referee's hand by, you know, being – demonstrative and, and force That's it into true. a walk-off shot. We're not looking for that either, but uh, making <laughs> what is already a very difficult job for, uh, for the referees, even harder. All right. Miranda Maverick over Jillian Robertson by unanimous decision Maverick has says repeatedly she's faced largely strikers in her career was looking forward to testing her Brazilian jitsu Brown belt potentially in this situation. And uh, she's well coached. She's coachable doctor, soon to be Dr. Maverick has a lot on her plate as, is well documented at this point, but I thought she handled a, a very tricky challenge on paper exceedingly well for, for someone who was born in like 1997, especially your thoughts on Miranda Maverick over Jillian Robertson.
2: I think Miranda is going to learn a ton from this win. And that's always much better than learning a ton from a loss, right? That's true. Uh, so I think from Miranda, she learned a lot in that second round, She was put in some really difficult positions by Robertson, who was really feeling her way through the fight. You know, there's a lot of guys or a lot of um, fighters, I should say, who kind of have their set set of moves. Robertson really trusts her feel out there as a grappler. Uh, and and stays present as a grappler and is very creative because of it. So she was a handful for, for Maverick, man, that, that was not an easy fight. And the fact that Maverick was able to come back from a lot of those positions uh, and then finish that round strong was huge. Now I did not have her winning that round. I I think that is a shame that the referees weren't able to see the grappling dominance in that round for Robertson. Um, Well, Maybe I won't say dominance, but I will say superior control. I mean, she won that round. I don't know how you have Maverick winning that round, but I did have Maverick winning the fight 29-28. She won the first round. She won the third round. She said she didn't have the best weight cut. Um, So perhaps her energy wasn't all the way there. I've been there myself, and and that is a real thing. So um, I don't think that's something that Maverick would use as an excuse. I think that's legit. I think Maverick will learn from both the weight cut and the fight, and she'll be that much better for it. And I thought that these women showed a, a an excellent level of both grappling and striking skill that was entertaining. Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe Maverick isn't ready for Shevchenko right now, but she's building her skills and yes. resume to the
3: point where I, I think she just might be. She really has a lot of different skills already, and you're right. She's not blind to the fact that there's a lot of work to do, but this is valuable experience accrued, no doubt about it. Uh, I thought you hit on a lot of different things there, so I'm just going to piggyback off of a couple of them. Um, 30 to 27 times 2. Right. We have a lot of referees and judges who listen to the show, and I'm very appreciative of that and the back and forth. And it's a little bit weird in this MMA space because I like ride on a fucking shuttle with the referees to the arena, which certainly doesn't happen (laughs) in like the NFL. But 30 to 27 times two. Come on, guys. Like, is anybody watching round two when you're paid to fucking insert your scorecard? You know, come on, man. Like Jillian sitting there like, all right, like, I guess. But like, can you guys at least watch round two. Come
2: nah. on, come nah. you No, know, no, listen. Round two, round two was an easy, you know, round to score, in my opinion. It should have been for Robertson. It's like, you know, everyone's like, you gotta finish a round strong. Well, guess what? If I am almost getting my back taken and I almost got finished, and I'm in side control and someone's mounted or someone's in side control for three minutes or more of a round, I lost the round. It doesn't really matter what I do. Right. There was like maybe what a 20-30-second. Uh, you know, point where Maverick was winning that fight. That doesn't mean she won the round. You know, again, these judges do not understand grappling. They do not understand what grappling control means, what aggression in grappling means, what uh, grappling dominance means, what a position means as far as, you know, what's advantageous or not. I mean, come on. We've been doing this a very long time. The sport's been around since the 90s. Can we get better judges when it comes to grappling? I I, I don't
3: get it. I don't understand. And uh, sorry for losing my temper there a moment ago, but like, what if we had open scoring, you know, and Jillian looks up everybody in the arena, including Courtney Kardashian, whom I love, by the way, knows it's 19 a piece. Yeah. Including Miranda Maverick too. So you look up at the jumbotron when you got open scoring and all of a sudden, Jillian's like, I'm down 2-0 on 2-3, and now I need a finish? You got to yeah. be kidding me, you know? But okay. uh, don't want to no, take no it. Love, in- Go ahead. No love for Travis Barker? Love Travis Barker, too.
2: Okay. Right. Her
3: significant other. I know. But I got to be careful here. Yeah. Maybe that'll be my amateur debut, me and Travis Barker. He <laughs> <laughs> don't want this smoke, I'm I'm quite confident. now. he probably <laughs> trains in every discipline and would destroy me like a lot of you uh, amateurs out there. <laughs> You uh, can get the smoke though. What's that? I said you can get the smoke though. I mean, if you oh, want it. I get it. I mean, come on. Uh, really? I mean, you're right. C- run up. You think and Think John's get scared. D- he just wants to be paid. Well, well, when up.
2: John's talking about
3: smoke, it's mainly weed smoke, but still, it's smoke nonetheless. Run up and get done up as James Vick. <laughs> used to say, you know, run up and get done up. It sounds so much better oh, coming out of the Texecutioner. So good. My twin brother loves that line so much. Jay, I'll say it one more time for you. If you're running mile number nine right now, run up, get done up. All right. <laughs> at Kenny Florian on Twitter as we, uh, and we are working on the segment. It will be called. I don't know what it'll be called at Anna Florian pod. Now we, what should the hostile Ken Flo tweet segment be called? And what should Francis and movie be called? But here's the tweet from Ken Flo. How many warriors do we have to lose to guillotines from side control? I believe in reference to the Von flu choke winner from Alonzo Menafield over Fabio charant. Talk to me, Ken flow. I'm not a jujitsu guy. Guys. guys again, We've been
2: seeing this for a little while. (laughs) The sport's been around a little while. We all know about Von Flew and Oven St. Prue and what happens and jason I, i'd like to take every single fighter and just kind of like line them up like marines you know and just like talk to all of them and just like get spitting in their face as i talk getting really emotional all right and be like do not do not <laughs> hold on <laughs> to a guillotine from side control please hey hey, you come here look at me what happens when you hold on to a side control what happens when you have have a guillotine from side control? what happens to you you get choked out right yeah. right yeah. so don't do it anymore man yeah
3: Hey, don't let me ask you this: What percentage of UFC fighters instinctively know how to go to the Von Flu right there and can execute that choke? Is that too hard a question? Because I, I just want to say, right, credit to Safe Saud and Alonzo Menafield because you're you have to make sure that your fighter can execute the choke. Sure, you know, like there's not there there's plenty of bad submission offense going on in mixed martial arts. You know, yeah. Here's the thing:
2: it's like. Um, it's it's such a gift wrap position if someone's doing that to you from side control, and especially like uh, so many guys are doing it up against the cage where you literally have nowhere else to go. You're like yeah. you're tying yourself into the position. There is nothing happening when you're holding on to someone in any capacity in side control. If I am hugging you in side control, I, I'm doing nothing to escape. Uh, and um, I, I don't know. I, I guess uh, you know guys need to be students of the game that's what it comes down to and i don't care who you are at what level you have to be continually learning you have to be a student at all times and if you're not if you're not getting better at this game you're getting worse i say that all the time i'm sorry but that is just a a fact and if you are a fighter and you're fighting at the highest level right you need to be watching and learning from everything And, and that was just clear that that guy's just not doing his homework period
3: One other fight I want to get to before we get to Ray Longo, Michal Olekshejcik over Modestus Bukowskis by split decision. Now, I thought the Baltic Gladiator out of Lithuania, Modestus Bukowskis won this fight, but again, it was a close fight. I love watching both of these guys compete. It seems like you really enjoyed watching Olekshejcik a little bit. Your thoughts on that one?
2: Both of them. I I really, you know, two very distinct styles. uh, Bukowskis was kind of more of the technician, had a lot more flair. Uh, And Oleg was a guy that was just, he's one of those guys, if you ever saw him in a bar, you'd be like, I want that guy. That guy looks skinny arms, like doesn't look very tough. I'll take him. He will murder you. He he, (laughs) And he will not stop. He's the kind of guy who is going to keep going at you, Uh, and trying to break your face until you kill him. Uh, That's the kind of guy Alexeychuk is. And he was so much smaller than was It was crazy that they're in the same division. And, man, he made it a fight. And it was – I think he got the nod because he didn't stop coming forward. I don't know who won that fight. I, I really wasn't paying so much attention to who was winning or losing. Right, right. All I saw was a guy in Oluksaychuk who was taking shots and continually coming forward and landing some big ones. And he was landing some big shots. So
3: that was a close one uh, and just an awesome fight from both men, really. And more often than not, I love when the forward-moving fighter is rewarded in a close fight. I didn't think that he deserve to win this fight necessarily, but I like when the Pedro Munozes of the world get rewarded for being like, all right, well, yeah, you're pitter pattering me on your way back, but anything else you got, I'm trying to track you down and, and murder you to your point. So yeah, yeah.
2: And, and you absolutely might be right. I, I think Bukowskis definitely has a strong argument for why he won that fight, but I'll say this. He stuck around to watch his work a little bit, and he was mm-hmm. eating shots because of it. Yeah. He wasn't able to always get in and get out without yeah. taking shots, and, and and that's where the mastery of defense comes into play, and, and hopefully he learns from that because I tell you what, Bukowskis is a very talented dude, man. He's He's got a lot of talent. He moves really well. He's agile. He's fast. Yeah. He's big for the division.
3: right? moves really well. A lot of skills. Mikhail Oleg is not big for the division. And not only am I not in the business of retiring fighters, I'm certainly not going to tell guys to change weight classes, but I do believe he has a middleweight frame. And could you imagine that Oleg power at 185 pounds? I'd have to check my fight card, but I'd imagine at some point in time he did compete at 85. But uh, great fight card. Uh, Congrats to the the Venezuelan fighter, Omar Morales, Mark Andre Barrio. Big wins on the prelims as well. Jamie Malarkey with a big knockout. Uh, on pay-per-view, not enough to get a bonus, but uh, a big night for Malarkey. Hey, they usually give submission winners bonuses. Do you feel like Manafield's not getting a bonus because, like, Charant shouldn't have gotten caught in the choke type deal?
2: <laughs> <laughs> that could definitely be the case. You know, that, that was a mistake uh, that was kind of really
3: handed to him. So that's probably the reason, yeah. And we also congratulate Oba Carter, Magomedov. First UFC win for him, 30 to 27 times three over Jared Gooden. All right, a lot to get to today. Stan and Longo coming up. Let us get to be Stan. All right, now joining us as promised. He's only the greatest living American, former WEC champion, former UFC veteran, just a great all-around individual and friend of the program. Brian Stan is
0: with us. Father of five now, by the way.
3: Great to see you, buddy.
0: Yeah, man, great being on, guys. Hope everybody's doing well. Kenny, congrats. Every time I turn Thank around, you. you're finding it, it, it's, it's something new. That's awesome. <laughs> so cool. Um, and wish you the best of luck with that. And uh, John, I got to tell you, man, that mustache is <laughs> It is so American. It's incredible. Oh. The minute I look at you, I feel like my testosterone jumps up. <Yeah>.
3: You're you're touching my heart with that because people have a strong opinion one way or the other and people are very nice about it when they ask me to shave it but I had a couple reach out to me on the broadcast this weekend I don't know who's typing but I hear typing in the background but the couple reached out back to back same last name and was like hey can you please shave your mustache you know it like ruins our pay-per-view experience you know so I'm glad you're on the other side
2: there was a void that was filled. When Don Fry left and John Anik brought that mustache no. back, a void was filled.
3: I'm not trying to bring any truth. extra attention that's to myself. So that's the issue. But uh, <laughs> Stan led with the mustache. I don't know what to tell you. So, hey, so in terms of the Stepe Francis fight and and, you know, I reach out to you periodically when I really want to know who I think, who you think is going to win a fight. So I reached out to you before Stipe and Francis, and you were pretty convicted in thinking that Francis Ganu was going to win. You qualifi- qual- qualified it by saying you hate that you had to pick against Stepe. but what were your thoughts overall on the fight, and why did you think Francis was the guy who was going to
0: win? You know, rematches are just tough. And when when you've got a guy who, you know, obviously Stepe just continues to get better, but it's not going to be at the same margin, right? Francis Ganu was just... Um, He was so raw when he first came to UFC. There's so many tools. So you had to know that he was going to have improved at at a much larger margin than Stipe. And in the mental gymnastics, right, for Stipe, his avenue to win that fight is a grueling five-round brutal war. Lots of clench, lots of wrestling. I mean, just your heart burning, your lungs burning to try and take that guy down, wear him out you know, in the first three rounds and then really maybe try to put them away in the last two. Um, but, you know, y- you can't help but look at the highlight reels of knockouts and have that way in your mind. And anytime you're fighting somebody you've already beaten, it's 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 always more fun to be the guy who lost last time. It's a mental advantage um, to be the person with the chip on your shoulder. So, you know, that, th- that led me um, to really believe that Francis was going to win that fight. And, you know, when you're on top for a long time, Right, it's it's very easy to get comfortable in the things you're doing, and at the end of the day, one of the things that I that continues to get reinforced in my life is that in order to grow and truly get better, you actually need to put yourself in uncomfortable positions. And so, if you're and you're at the top of the food chain for as long as he has. I'm sure they were getting innovative. I'm sure they were still looking at doing things a little differently to continue to improve, but not at not at this not with the same lens that Francis Ngannou, and we saw that in the fight, right? Him takedown attempts, shoving the head on the single leg, really good technique on the takedown defense. You know, he was was putting himself in a lot of uncomfortable positions in that training camp to get the thousands of reps necessary to perform that in a live scenario.
3: And in my opinion, and I'm just one man, it's like, I don't care who you are. If you're fighting Francis Ngannou, the most likely scenario is that you're going to end up being separated from consciousness. And I think Stipe wasn't blind to that. I give Stipe a lot of credit for taking the rematch, right? I know it would have been tough to sort of just retire because, you know, Francis would have been tricky to avoid with the four-fight winning streak, but Stipe didn't have to fight this guy again, and uh, best of luck to whoever has to do
0: so next. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we could all say with pure honesty, we've never seen somebody hit this hard before in the UFC. I mean, the, the yeah. knockout of Aleister Overeem was downright scary. I mean, that, that uppercut... Stopped a lot of folks and, and ring was obviously past his prime at the time, but still the ability to hit a man the size of Alistair Overing that hard and make his body go to the ground like that is just it's just scary we've never seen this kind of power in the UFC and it, look it's the next factor. Francis and gano can fight a really terrible fight and still at all times have a chance to win because he just hits that hard. <clears throat>
2: Brian, you've been around the sport a long time. You, you have a guy in Nganu who, who has an amazing story. Um, he looks the part. The way he finishes fights is by completely uh, destroying his opponents. Um, how big of a star do
0: you think this guy could be? I think he could be a huge star. Um, I think his his story is inspirational, and I I think and I hope right that uh, the UFC and, and whoever the management around Francis is really – really goes about this in a thoughtful manner to capitalize on it, right? Because Francis, as we all know, was always a really kind and gentle man. He was a good man. Right? And as yeah. we know, when, when you get this type of limelight, like, you know, it's easy to go the other way. And so I hope that he surrounded himself with people that really care about him. I hope they go about it thoughtfully. And they leverage Francis to really open up fan bases in areas that that the UFC just doesn't have right now. Um And really, again, to shine a positive light on the sport. I mean, a lot of times mixed martial arts in the UFC is looked at kind of like a lesser tier to the NFL and the NBA from a pure athleticism standpoint. You know, now all of a sudden we've got some champions in, you know, Khabib obviously who retired, but he was an elite level athlete. Um, Kamaro Usman, I mean, elite level athlete. Francis Ngannou, elite level athlete. John Jones, elite level. I mean, you know, I think now you finally have Um, competitors coming into this sport that are on par with other professional sports just on a pure athletic basis
2: and as far as moving forward is the right fight the trilogy um and and is it the right move for Stipe what do you think about that
0: you know I think for for Stipe I think it absolutely is right he gets he gets the chip on his shoulder now right he can go back and he could be the hungrier guy I think it absolutely is. I think Stipe going and fighting someone else at this point is not worth it. I wouldn't rush it though. I mean, you've got to fully heal from that type of concussion. You got to reassess your training camp. You got to reassess. Hey, did you come in with the appropriate weight, right, to to, to out wrestle a guy and clinch a guy like that over the course of five rounds? So I think for Stipe, it absolutely is. You know, the the right fight for Francis, um, you know, I I think is either the Stipe fight or you know, the, the Derek Lewis fight, I don't, if I'm managing him right while I know he can make the most money through the John Jones fight, I think that deal is going to take some time. I'd rather build my guy. I'd love to get another camp in where this guy's still improving before I put him in there with a, uh, with a heavier John Jones. John, John's a better wrestler than Stipe. He's also really good in the clinch, which if, if I'm coaching John, I'm telling him you're either wrestling with this guy where you're in the clinch, you're, you're tying him up with your long arms. John's really dangerous there. We saw him be very effective against a little and and other fighters in those positions. And I think Stipe was doing some of that with Francis to wear out his arms and wear him down. John's a master at doing that. And, and yeah. he's got great trips and things like that that maybe Francis can't mimic with other training partners. So, you know, me looking at it through a selfish lens if I'm managing Francis and I want to maximize on his star power, really build him up and earn him as much money as possible this window i try and get him a Derek lewis or Bay rematch and and i let the john jones thing build up let john yeah and then at heavyweight beat somebody up and then you build that because i think it's going to take a while it seems like dana and john jones are really far apart financially
3: yeah no that's interesting stuff brian stand with us here on the anakin florian podcast and you're right about Stepe. you just sort of let it all marinate because he fought once in 2018 Once in 2019, once in 2020, all against Daniel Cormier. It's not as though he's going to be in any great rush. I wouldn't be surprised to see them try to turn around Lewis and Nganu here in the next three months or so. But it sounds to me like you think John Jones and Francis Nganu Brian, is is a close competitive fight and maybe a lean to John. You know, some people I talk to say Francis is just going to stand there and try to leg kick the hell out of him and and let the fight breathe a little bit. How do you handicap a a potential matchup between Nganu and John Jones?
0: You know, the the big question to me is, is, is where is John, right? Um, in terms of his athletic capabilities, I mean, you know, he's looked more human as of late than we've ever seen. Um, a a younger version of John, you know, just annihilated everybody. And I've watched him really make heavyweights look, look silly throughout his career. Mm -hmm. When when I was training, that was a long time ago. Um, but I, I think motivated John Jones is absolutely an extremely competitive fight. And I think that uh, he would come in there and he's always shown the ability mentally and strategically to perform well in those big moments. He's handled himself really well. Um, it almost seems like in the octagons where John's uh, most comfortable, to be quite honest. Yeah, with the other yeah, I yeah. Is his life. <laughs> and for, for Francis, some of this stuff is rinse and repeat, right? He's got to take his time. He's got to keep his distance. He's going to land his heavy shots, but he can't. He can't gas himself out and and try to win the fight one round. shouldn't be moved, and not get tied up in the clinch. He does not want to be there with John. John's not as simple as defending singles and doubles. John has a lot of cool tricks and throws and ways that he can get you to the ground with those long limbs. And then once he gets you there, because he's got such long limbs, it poses a real challenge to Stipe and a lot of energy utilized to get back up. And if John can make him do that, two or three times in the first round, another two or three times in the second round, I think really that's the, that's the path of least resistance for John to win that fight.
3: All right, last thing on Ngannou, and I know we got to let you go because you're squeezing us in on a Monday. My brother's like, what are you doing trying to get the COO on a Monday morning? But for Francis Ngannou, in terms of his improvement, I've said repeatedly there was so much pressure on Eric Nixick, who seemed to not only be head striking coach and mid-coach and chief corner, but also primary grappling body and partner. I know there have been some other bodies. Would you advocate Ngannou trying to get in in jujitsu competitions, do some grappling – uh, the sprawl look great. I mean, what would you advise him do, or is it just keep doing what you're doing because it worked?
0: Well, I think I think he's got to bring in new bodies. staff with it. Eric should be pushing for that. He's such a big star now that people will want to come to him, and he should look for people. Again, it's all about being uncomfortable. When you grapple with the same people all the time, you can get to your comfort positions. You're not forced to try and escape something new. You're not forced to try and get a dominant position somewhere new. I think Eric, he's got to get himself to the point where he's looking through the cage and coaching him. He's done such a great job with him and not just hands on because he's the only one that can grapple with him. So I look out out to the world. I go find who are some of the biggest heavyweight out there. And I get them in the room with Francis and I really push him. I challenge him. You know, what are, the different ways and and wrestling not just but where are the wrestlers who are going to act and do the things similar to a john jones right or other people he may fight um and put him in those negative positions all
3: right my man well it's always great to hear your voice and uh well i hope to be sitting next to you in a broadcast capacity someday i do hope you are finding that work-life balance hey are you done having children can i ask you a personal question north of 40 now are you done having children yes all right you're smart you're smart It's good we are done There's that's no good
0: we can handle
3: anymore man. all right so, good no it's smart it's yeah. smart all right well uh enjoy the rest of your week buddy and, and i'm sure we'll catch up soon but sincerely appreciate it's the
0: time like this morning you got five dollars right oh my pleasure guys thanks so much
3: <laughs> thanks brian sorry about the uh the audio issue there folks at the end brian stand with us here on the anakin florian podcast we have spent the bulk of the show, obviously, to this point on Francis Ganu and Stipe Miocic, and uh, our reasons for doing so are obvious. Ken Flo, in terms of the Stipe uh, narrative… It's a really tricky thing. I don't think he gets enough credit for just accepting this fight, you know, like Daniel Cormier, it stands to reason that this would have been a title defense that would have materialized. It didn't happen for DC. And mm. for him, I think you got to thank the heavens, man. Like I think Stepe, it's not a suicide mission, right? Like when Derek Brunson fought Robert Whitaker, I remember, I think, I don't know if you called it with me, but it's like, what are we doing here? Is it just like, but when you go in there against Francis, Kenny, I feel like I'm watching a movie and that the person who's fighting Francis especially in a scenario where he's given up 30 40 pounds uh is like a plus 800 under you know that's what it feels like it feels like it's just going to take this herculean david versus goliath type effort to to beat this mountain of a human being yeah that's the thing man uh
2: every time you see Francis Massive men, he makes them look small. I, I mean, it, it's it's amazing to see, and the kind of physical skills that he possesses. You know, I, I think Brian is absolutely correct. This is a, a truly an A class type of athlete um, in a heavyweight division that isn't necessarily you know the most skilled. You know, a, a lot of those guys will stand and trade. And if you do that against someone like Francis Ngannou, you're going to go down and you just might not be the same after it. That's the thing. You know, it's one thing, OK, you're a good striker or you're dangerous or you can knock guys out or or down. Francis Ngannou may not, you know, you may not be the same after it. That's how hard this guy hits. And he's his killer instinct, his ability to go in there and finish you off if you're out. That referee better be in there because he's going to try to get another shot, and not because he's a jerk, but because he's a warrior, because he's a fighter, and he's out there to do a job, and that
3: is to destroy you. If I'm, uh, if I'm fighting Francis Ngannou, I'm, I'm requesting Jason Herzog to make sure that that extra hammer fist doesn't get in. I'd request two referees, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Francis has a mean streak, as we've talked about repeatedly, and uh, you do not need to tell Francis Ngannou that the referee is the one who has to stop the fight. And <laughs> exactly. largely, you subscribe to that theory as a fighter, so I know you're laughing now, but like right. you didn't have to tell Kenny Florian True. uh Ask Joe Lozon, you know, enough is enough, flow. He's from Massachusetts as well. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, but on the Stepe side of things, are you trying to put sorry, are you trying to I'm a little tired today? Jesus, I look like hell. Uh, are you trying to put on 30 pounds if you're steep and going in there 260? Or are you just trying to not fight Francis again and uh enjoy the Valley View fight apartment?
2: Man, you know, I think you gotta put on a little bit of weight there uh, against someone like Ngano. Um Weight matters, okay? Uh, And and it matters especially when you are carrying or trying to take down another large body. Um, You want to have mass on your side. Um, I I think Stipe could have executed a little bit better perhaps. um, But, yeah, you you could just see that once Ngano was able to stop that takedown, get around to his back, throw him down, and hit him a couple times, Stipe got up, and with all of his experience – he looked at Nganu, it was like a deer in the headlights. And that is something that you rarely see from someone like a Steepa Miacic. So, yeah. yeah, I think that definitely surprised him. I, I think it would probably be better for him to add a little bit more mass to his frame. But again, you got to do that without compromising your gas tank as right, well because right. now you're carrying, let's say, 15, 20 extra pounds. Right. Um, you know, y- your body may not be used to that. So that that's going to take yeah. some time both adding that weight
3: and getting used to that weight. You just gave me a reason to not add any more muscle mass. I don't feel like carrying (laughs) it around. All right. I don't want to give Longo nothing to talk about. So uh, I know he's excited, even though he is disappointed for Stipe. Let us get to the Ray Longo
1: Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. i want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray
0: Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast.
3: I bought a Ray Longo Minute sweatshirt before we came on the air today to help sales, Ray. Thank you very much, John. What so, Ray, I, do I don't a- know if you uh, – well, I don't know if you heard the big news, but we got a new reason to watch the PFL. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean when I say that, Ray? Did you hear the news uh, that Kenny Florian has been signed as a PFL fighter slash commentator?
2: Wow. Uh, not a fighter. That's not true. Not a- that is true. Right, just as a commentator, not as a fighter.
1: Wow, that's big stuff! Congratulations, that's thank awesome. You. Thank you. I love, so, I love uh, it. And what so what, it is, what, is, what is that? that that's <laughs> a, a professional. Battle battle battle. Oh, yes. I thought it was an offshoot of the battle bots. <laughs> 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 what, I what do built
3: man. Yeah.
1: Now that's great, Kenny. Congratulations on that. That's awesome. Thank you,
3: thank you. So, do you know, Kenny, the specifics of uh, what you're going to be doing, or when this whole thing is getting started, so I can set my fucking DVR?
2: Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be on ESPN Plus. We'll be like cousins, I guess. Uh, ESPN Plus, and ESPN I thought we were two, brothers, uh,
3: man. Now we're fucking cousins. Yeah, exactly. God, yeah, president yeah. of Team Florida. Now I'm his his cousin.
1: <laughs> I thought we were brothers.
2: April twenty third. It all, all gets right, April twenty
1: third. Yeah. Wow. The Professional Great, Fighters the news. Great, yeah. news. Great so, news. So Ray
3: Cody Arrow, our famed executive producer, says that you wake up at eleven a.m. Is that true on a Monday?
1: No. I wake up, I wake up at uh ten a.m. Okay. All right. Just making sure. Because I don't want to inconvenience the star of the show. We should... I'm, not, I'm not opposed to 11, John. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, what, what time do you coming? go to
2: sleep? That's the more important. Now, what time uh, do you go gonna,
1: to sleep usually? I'm no. going to say uh, three. Now, okay. Uh, okay. That makes no, sense. Okay. You can't get to bed earlier than two, but most of the times it's three. That's what I said. That's my circadian rhythm. Gotcha. Ten, Very, yeah, nice. Very nice. Very nice. Right, so
3: day. a lot to get to with you. I'm not going to bury the lead and start talking about all your regional success right now. We'll get to your Uh, local guys uh, at the end. We're not doing that. Don't
1: forget that, man. They crushed it, crushed it. (laughs) We
3: will we will absolutely celebrate all of those individuals. Big weekend for Team Sarah Longo, but uh, in the nature of not burying the lead, Francis Ngannou is the new undisputed UFC heavyweight champion. Stipe, your guy retains status as the greatest MMA heavyweight of all time, resume wise, in my opinion. But uh, now, if you want to become the undisputed heavyweight king, you're going to somehow have to figure figure out a way to beat uh, Francis Ngannou. Your thoughts on the title fight this weekend?
1: Yeah, you know, look, the guy's uh he's not human. Let's face it. He's definitely not you. human. And uh yeah, I mean the look, it was it was it was a rough fight uh but you know, just in the, at the end though, I mean, Stepe he did tag him, whether he you know, he looked like he buckled him a little bit, but I think that where Francis is absolutely the most dangerous is when you're running at him. I think that's where he cuz he just Swings and he, if he touches you, you're going to go down. So, I mean, in hindsight, I would have liked to have seen Stipe just reset and move around and see if he could capitalize on that. But you know, it's like hindsight is twenty twenty. But, but, but to rush in against Francis, how many times have we seen that just not work? But again, that decision could have been based on the fact that he was just knocked down, too, and he was groggy. And as a fighter, your instincts are to go, you know, are to go right in. But there's certain times when you just have to put the brakes on and just reevaluate and, you know, really assess what happened. So whatever. I mean, uh you know, hats off to Francis, man. He fought a great fight. He looks like he made some improvements. Uh, so that's that's good for everybody.
2: He, he hit him with the same shot he caught over him with. And it seemed like he was trying to finish it in the same way. He was kind of going back, landed a shot, and then kind of rushed in thinking he was going to, you know, finish him off. And obviously, who <laughs> got there first like he, he does against pretty much everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. A little different than, uh, than uh, over, over him. He took that punch from the back of his ass. Yeah, and no, just, sorry,
2: Verdum, Verdum, just, Doom was the fight. Sorry. Oh, well, Verdum all right. I I say, this, was, this one, this one was a
1: little shorter than that. that yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, different. Very different. That, that Verdum was, a, was the guy. Sorry. Was I was yeah, that
1: was out of a cartoon, the yeah. uh, Wolverine thing. So yeah. uh scary individual, but uh we'll see what happens, you know. Like uh, we were talking before Rev. Mike Tyson was the same scary individual until he wasn't the same scary individual. Yeah. Yeah. So see what happens.
3: And it remains to be seen, as we were talking about a little bit off the air, as to how long Francis Ngannou will be solely committed to this. His life is about to change in a lot of ways, but uh, hopefully they can get him to turn around and defend uh, in a few months or so. So Kenny was sort of talking about John Jones earlier in the show, insofar as his ability to take away your greatest strength in a Bill Belichickian type way if you're sort of molding a guy to beat Francis Ngannou, like who are you sending in there? Is it a five tool player like John Jones who can try to minimize the power as best he can, like who and how is going to beat this guy? I know he's not an undefeated fighter, but who beats this guy and how do they get it done?
1: Uh, honest, look, honestly, whoever beats him is going to have to be able to take a huge punch at least once or twice. That's the first thing. But I, I I see like, uh, I would think for this, uh, I would think like a Kane Velasquez, a guy that could push just a crazy pace at heavyweight, who could get underneath those punches, you know, great head movement going in side to side and then have the cardio to do takedown after takedown right. and see where his gas tank is. But that, that would be my thing. I don't think John Jones, I think, is a horrible matchup. I think John's always at his best when he's the taller big guy. We've seen him struggle with guys like um, oh, uh, Gustafson. Uh, and some of the, the, the bigger guys, right? Like uh, Reyes, Reyes, I thought he absolutely lost the fight. Uh, so I think Francis is just a, a, a horrible matchup for him. I don't think there's, yeah, I don't know. What's the Belichick way he's going to get that fight done? Because he's he's never been hit like that before. He's got a guy that's bigger than him, stronger than him. I don't even think steroids will help John Jones in that fight. Well, Kenny was sort of
3: just alluding to John Jones in a broader sense, right, Kenny, of having that ability to, uh, to take away a strength.
2: Yeah. I also think, you know, John Jones tends to get better when he faces tough competition. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that definitely Ray, we haven't seen the John Jones that we are used to uh, and perhaps he's coasting by or doing what he needs to do to win um, and, and not, elevating his game like he should uh, and I think if we see the kind of performances that we've seen against you know the Anthony Smiths and uh, the Rays um, Tiago Santos yeah absolutely I, I think that ingano would, would smash him however I think that John Jones tends to elevate uh, himself and get more excited when he is experiencing a higher level of danger I think he's that kind of a guy but Um, You know, I think he needs the motivation. I don't think he's been up and motivated for those fights. Uh, Whereas, and I think that's why he's going up to heavyweight in the first place. And now that he's got Engano, I think it offers up a a completely different type of challenge. Uh, A a Herculean one, for sure. Uh, But I do think if John Jones at his best can win that fight.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair. How old is Jones now? He's getting up there too, no?
3: No, what, thirty? One
1: thirty-two. is he much older no, than that? No way. he's got to be well not john no, jones is 33
0: kenny.
3: years old yeah. birthday july 19th
1: 1987 wow. that's a plus that's actually a plus so he's that that's good yeah who knows look i yeah, i man. do agree with, i do agree with kenny he's gonna rise to the occasion but uh i did this is a bigger i don't know this is a totally different challenge man it really is i just well, I think, think uh, uh go ahead I, john
3: Well, I just think we can all agree that a more composed, measured, seemingly more well-rounded Francis Ngannou is a real problem. Real quickly, Ray, as far as Stipe is concerned, and you touched on some good things as far as the performance goes, but I got to think it's hard mentally as far as the preparation goes, knowing that when you beat him the first time, Francis had what amounted to a four week training camp mixed between three countries. He was exhausted. He couldn't even do our fighter meeting. He was so tired and, and Stipe had to go a hard 25 minutes. Then Francis stuffed eight of 14 takedowns that night, even though his his performance was roundly criticized. Stipe is going into this rematch, knowing that he's going to have to go through 25 minutes. I just think it's a hard thing knowing that, you know, the the most likely scenario is that I get separated from consciousness, and the, the and if I do win, I'm going to have to win over 25 minutes. Like that sucks.
1: Yeah, I, I I'll tell you, Kenny. You can address this, but I don't I don't think Stipe's mindset at a, at any time before, during, or after was that he was going to be separated from consciousness. I mean, as a fighter, I mean, if you go in there thinking that, you might as well not even go in there. And I'll I'll never forget, man, before the first. Uh, Weidman Anderson Silver fight, you know. Obviously, I was, you know, I was a ball of nerves, right? But I'll never forget, you know, like Danaher. I I met him. Where the hell? I don't know. We I think at the MGM probably. But uh, I remember he says, well, "You know, I, I see you're worried. I mean, I know why you're worried because if he loses, this is what he says to me. If he loses, it's going to be in like highlight real fashion." I'm like, no, that's got nothing to do with it. I just don't want my guy to do good. I just, I always worry. You know what I mean? I'm not thinking like he's going out. And you got to remember Anderson Silva had a highlight reel from hell at that point. So I get what he was saying, but I'm not, that's not the way I'm thinking. I'm thinking my guy's winning. I just want him to win. And I want it to go the way we've been training. That that was it. And I'm always going to be nervous. But if you go in there with that mindset, you're, 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 I don't go in.
3: No, I get it. And Daniel Cormier certainly didn't go into those two fights with Anthony Rumble Johnson, you know, thinking that the power was going to, you know, but I think you can't help but let it creep in a little bit, Ken Flo, especially when you're fighting a guy that dangerous. And with all due respect to Anderson Silva, I don't have a point of comparison for Francis Ngannou Ray in UFC history. That's why I bring it up. It's such a violent, potentially fatal thing when you're fighting Francis that I don't know. I still think steep is human, but I'm glad you had the counterpoint ready to go, Kenny. What do you think about all yeah, that?
2: Yeah, listen, I think that it's important as a fighter to come to terms or or come to uh, understand that yes, you can be knocked out, you could be submitted, you could lose a judge's decision, you could get injured, all those things. You know, you need to um, you know, come to terms with that, but to have that in your mind heading into a fight, um, I think any fighter who has that in their mind is probably going to get knocked out for the most yeah. part. I, it'll I be think a, that it'll you, be you have to understand what problem. the what the threat is, you know, come to peace with that and and then just move on. Be like, okay, now I'm I'm ready to do it. You you have to address it in your mind and be like, if this happens, am I cool with that? Okay, I I know that could happen. Now let's now let's actually address what I can't control.
1: Right.
3: Do you have anything else for us on Stipe and Francis? I have a few other items for you on this main card, and then we're going to get to uh, to the locals and Wadman and all of all of the stuff that you're really here for. But anything else as far as Stipe? I mean, I know the trilogy fight will be there for Stipe in all likelihood unless Francis loses to, to Derek Lewis or John Jones or somebody that I'm not thinking of. Um, but what do you think for Stipe? I, I don't get the sense that uh, that he's ready to walk away.
1: Yeah, look, I think Steepage, that guy. Look, look, DC knocked him out right the first fight. He came back and beat him twice. That's not an easy test to do. DC is a phenomenal fighter. So, I, I, I think, I think because I mean his resume is so impressive. They, they owe him a trilogy if he wants it. That's that's yeah. the first thing. I think that's a hundred percent. Whether he's, whether you think it's not going to be a good fight or just make the odds crazy, whatever. But they do owe it to him. As as a, being the best as 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 today being the best heavyweight ever, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's a, a given. You know, Steve getting up there. me. He's got a great family. He's a humble guy. I think he'll have no problem internalizing what happened and either going back to the drawing board or, or doing whatever he wants to do. But he's not controlled by anybody, which is what I love about him. And uh, he's got um, he's got a million options. I'm sure he's he's well off. You know, he doesn't, he's not one of those guys that's going to blow his money. Uh, so I think yeah. uh, whichever way he wants to go, I I, I think, uh, you know, he's great for the sport. Who? How can you not like a guy? He's still working in the firehouse. I mean, I don't know. What's not to, to like about him? He doesn't bullshit. He doesn't lie. He's not cheating. He's not doing steroids. You know, it's funny. It's like what you think everybody wants, but... Right. You know, right. You know, who was telling the story the other day with, with D.C. and John Jones? I mean, the guy just got, you know, caught doing steroids and they're booing D.C. Why, how do you boo D.C.? The guy's working with the kids. He does. He has the kids wrestling program. He's a great ambassador to sport. But is that the direction we're moving? He's the bad guy. D.C.'s the well, bad it- guy.
3: No, I, I'm with you, but you and I can disagree on John Jones until we're blue in the face, you know, cause you see him in a different light than I do, you know? So, I, I mean, love, you, I don't see him as this perpetual steroid guy that, that you do, you know, and people come at me when I defend him and that's okay. But like, I don't see him as an anabolic steroid abuser in any way, shape or form. I still see him as the greatest mixed martial arts athlete of all time, you know, um, you know, I might have a mugshot one day too.
1: Hopefully not. You know? I, know. I don't know. I just, I'm sorry. You are you at that point in your life where that's what you want to see? A mugshot? No, no. You need to see him as that non-abusing steroid guy. What is no, that? I just
3: no, I don't know. I think he took dick pills and he's abused recreational drugs. And I can't explain his drug test, but uh, I just really? I don't know. I don't see him as a guy who's
1: the guy. Yeah, I just don't see him. now. He's doing dick pills. I mean, really? Yeah, what, at 28? Should be walking around with a fucking hard-on. What the hell is he doing? <laughs> What are you talking about? What is going on? you talking code. about me? Or- 20 years old.
3: Ray, have you ever heard of giving 110%? Sometimes yeah, you just I, need yeah, the I, extra I 10%, it. you know? Like, I get it. I get it. But, yeah, uh, I'm 27. I dabble. I don't have many. Huh,
2: there's once, and then there's like eighty times in the night, right? I guess. Yeah. you can Argue, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's
1: true. Huh. I get, I get, I get that point. No, no. We uh, had such a spirit. Yeah, I, it. I, I actually take my statement back. Everybody should be doing <laughs> that.
2: I show up in my room, and there's thirty women just waiting <laughs> for
1: me. Yeah. They, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's we had in, happened
3: right. to me all the time.
1: You need a little <laughs> help at that point. I do agree with. you.
3: So. Today, it's our 294th episode. Ray has been on for 292 of those. Far and away, today, though, was our most spirited pre fight or pre appearance meeting the three of us were going at it pretty good off the air too bad cody wasn't speeding for everybody um hey real quick i want some thoughts on Sean o'malley and then i want to talk about chris weidman and the locals and we'll get Sean out of here but what are your thoughts on Sean o'malley um because a lot of people are are praising him and rightfully so and and really enjoy watching him fight very very layered striker and layered martial artist and uh another highlight for the real your thoughts on o'malley
1: yeah, from a technical standpoint, the guy's the guy's an A plus man. I mean, he's uh, I love his feints. I love the way he controls the range of a fight, or his you know, as the woke coach you would want to say, distance management. You know, but ah. uh, his his uh his range is is really perfect. I mean, he's he good. He he his every everything is good he looks really good well, can he hold is he durable that that's my only if i had to find a floor yeah are those injuries going to come back to haunt him he's a young guy he's got a long way to go but uh from a technical standpoint the, the kid knows how to fight there's absolutely no question about it you know all right before we let
3: you go it's monday march 29th carolina chris still hanging
1: out in south carolina <laughs> he loves it <laughs> he does it he loves it. He loves Carolina, Hashtag
3: Carolina, Chris. I can't <laughs> wait to drop that on the broadcast and upset all of you sensitive New Yorkers simultaneously. Uh, uh, so of, April 20...
1: I'm, I'm the only guy. April 24th, asking.
3: April 24th, Jacksonville, Florida. Do you have an itinerary?
1: An itinerary uh, as far as what? When I'll be
3: there. Yes. Are you coming? Are you flying? Talk, I, am. Right? I know you're coming, but
1: do you have your flight yet? This is not a trick question. I don't, I don't have my flight yet, but I will do that okay. today or tomorrow. I'll I was actually
3: going to offer up my services. I mean, this guy thinks I'm out well, to get it. It's unbelievable. I'm Perpetually glad, I'm glad misunderstood.
1: I offered your services to TJ DeSantis. He wants to come to the fight. I said, <laughs> I said, you'd be more than happy to let him stay at your house and drive him down. There. And he, he thinks that's bullshit. Can you clarify that?
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't quite know what to say. I'm all of a sudden all choked up. Uh, Will I would absolutely pick up TJ. Can use off. my, my he, question. no, Ian is not coming. TJ can He's use my coming. tickets if he wants. I'm not sure that oh, TJ no. wants to stay in my house with, uh, with all of us Floridians and our lack of respect for COVID-19 going to school every day, but whatever TJ wants, TJ, uh, uh very loyal to this program for a long time. Um, no, I was just going to say that I'm driving a rental car from Jacksonville or excuse me from Boca Raton to Jacksonville. So that if you wanted to take a direct flight from new york to orlando oh. that maybe we could coordinate i'm trying to help your ass
1: <laughs> oh wait a minute well is there there's no direct flights to jacksonville maybe calling?
3: because you're in new york you can get there but for most of my colleagues they can't yeah, get wow. to jacksonville directly so oh, but hey okay. i'm just letting you know i'm gonna have a car if I, if you need me to come to the airport give me my i'm happy to help wow, really oh so, yeah, depending on uh, my like, quarantine restrictions, so that's all. So, but so I guess so you're keeping tabs on Chris from afar. Is he going straight yeah. from South Carolina to Jacksonville? I assume.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. He's 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 having a great time in uh, in Carolina. I spoke to him. I might go out there next week, but uh, I'm going to talk to him. I did say you know at the beginning I'd come out there for a week, and then there's been some crazy shit going on, so there's but we'll see what happens. But uh, I would like to at least go out there. You know, and touch base with him because this is definitely not the way I I like doing right. things. But uh, uh, he's with a, you know, he's with one of his main partners is a kid we used back back in New York who happened to move to uh, Carolina, so we got lucky with that. So I'm sure his wrestling is going to be on point, point. Uh, and then we'll 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 take it from there. But he's he's, I do talk to him, and he's he's having a great time. He loves it. He loves the training. Uh, and uh, he's healthy, and I think that's that's the major part. I always said with right. him, is yeah. he's healthy, it's going to be a problem. So, uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know, we'll see, but uh, we'll tighten everything up within the next couple of days for sure, because I do have to book my ticket. And uh, we'll see, but I love, thank you for the offer. Yeah, of course,
3: whatever you need, whatever you need. Uh,
1: But health has always been the buzzword when you talk about Chris Wadden every single time. Oh, everything. Yeah. And look, one, one quick thing man, I want to touch on, I I might be in the minority, but man, I want to give an A plus to Tyrone Woodley, man. I am blown away by the fact that he had the balls to go out and really try to end that fight early, did something different. And that's not easy because we talk about that when you're the champ and it's hard to get back. You know what? If he doesn't do that and he has the same type of fight, he has to go the rest of his life thinking, what if, what if? Yeah. Not anymore. He went for it. It almost worked. And and hats off to that guy. It's not an easy thing to do. Kenny, you could talk about that more than I can. But I love the fact that he tried to go back to the wrestling. He tried for those big power shots. He didn't wait. You know, like, think all those previous fights. You got to go for it. You got to do this. You got He went for it. So. I know it's a loss, but to me, it's it's a hundred percent a win. I love what he did, and it took a lot of fucking balls to do what he did. And I'm uh, a huge, always liked him, but now I'm a hundred percent a huge fan of, of that. I think what he what he tried to do was phenomenal at this stage of his career. Yeah.
3: I'm glad that you said that. I really am. Here's a uh, tweet from Ken Flo. This was a Woodley that was really going for the finish tonight. Tyron fought hard into the end. Luque has a stone block for a head. See, I mean, you got to follow Ken Flo. I don't care about the rest of the tweet. That's good stuff. But uh, I do think also the bonus for T. Wood kind of softens the blow a little bit. And I'm not so much talking about the $50,000, which only amounts to like eight grand a kid probably after taxes for T. Wood. But I think that aesthetically, the way this loss will age more gracefully as a fight of the night, knowing that it takes two in a fight of the night, knowing that he caught Luke pretty good. I just think that will help uh, Tyron in terms of the mental uh, thereafter as far as this fight is concerned. All right. We got to go. We got to go. Hey, real quick. Three three wins for you on the, uh, on the regional scene this weekend. Is that right?
1: Oh, man. Crushed it out in Florida. They were bad. They were – where the heck were they in Florida? Somewhere in Florida. But uh, close to Tampa. Uh, but yeah, we had uh, Justin Mantello, uh, Justin Mantello, sorry, but holy shit, Dylan Montello, Justin Montalvo, these guys, are oh, Jesus. and uh, Dennis Bazooka. So uh, those three guys did. it. We also had Diana, Diana Caravas, who uh, got submitted, but, you know, trained and fought her ass off. So great night for the team, basically where we left off before COVID. That's what I loved about it. We were like 21 and 1 you know and these yeah. guys these guys are crushing it man i mean really good fights if you want to go take a look at them on triton fights to do it man you'll be impressed uh great we have a submission a, a decision and uh and a knockout i mean it good. was just a, a great night and I, also shout out to billy q he got married at the same you know he was very billy, close, Lawrence, close and, getting hitched and, uh yeah steamroller you know couldn't be at the fights because he was at billy's wedding so big right. big time for the team in florida it was a uh, Nice. Good, good stuff man great,
3: yeah great, you gotta great think great. that uh matt the steamroller for vola earned that groomsman designation <laughs> for billy q all right ray well uh nothing makes me happy here i get so distracted ken Flo, when he starts pronouncing his fighters surnames <laughs> like that it's fucking hilarious all right <laughs> no. we gotta get on out of here
1: we that gotta that's get that's on right. out of here
3: that's so it we, thanks to so uh was,
1: what, what's that Ray? uh just just so everybody's a witness so you will pick me up in boca raton
3: Oh, you want to come huh. to Boca? Of course, we'll drive the whole way together. But I was going to say, I can get you in Orlando so you don't have to do the whole drive. I'll just get you oh. closer to Jacksonville. Oh, closer to right? so Orlando. Exactly. How exactly. Was- so I'll drive three hours to Orlando, pick you up in Orlando, and then we'll drive the final 90 minutes together. We'll get stoned as Billy wow. Goats. and uh, You're getting a special Ray Longo minute if that happens, fans,
2: just let so me, you know. Let me tell you to make it
3: happen
1: we put that on somebody's story your story cuz i don't have one but uh instagram story we'll do it we'll do it
3: <laughs> all right offer expires in 48 hours that's going to do it for today thank you to our executive producer Cody Merrill thanks to Ray Longo of course and Brian Stan uh next week we will get back to the fight predictions of course and uh big show for the MMA leader coming up on ABC April 10th with uh with Marvin Vittori and Darren Till uh in the main event we'll be back with you next Monday don't forget if you want merchandise com, and uh check out the Ray Longo merch we got to up sales I mean the the and Florian podcast tees are selling pretty well but trying to sell the long no
1: I'm just you know your stuff always flies off the shelves baby no seriously guys that quick is i heard there's only two thousand left in the month <laughs> if you don't act within the next 15 20 right. years you're gonna be out i'm just saying that's it i don't know what else to right. say
3: if we're sold out maybe yeah. sean o'malley oh, has yeah, some yeah, left but yeah, i thought
1: f- 15 years from now if you guys are crying <laughs> hey don't don't blame us yeah. man we gave you a fair warning
3: all right until uh next monday we appreciate every last one of you watching listening on the youtube channel and uh don't text and drive, and uh, maybe with that mask, Militich, if you're wearing one, if you're listening, just pull it above the nose, sir, if you'd be so kind, and then we can be wheels up. I'll talk to you guys next week. Y'all later.